We make all kinds of connections from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Hi, and welcome to Things Worth Considering, a weekly talk show to put some ideas out there that may help you to, and all of us, our lives to become just a little bit smoother and kinder and gentler. Uh, I'm your host, Gord Riddell. And I am here because of technology with my co-host live from Calgary, Alberta, uh, <laughs> Alexia Georgiousis. Uh Welcome from Calgary. Thank you, Gordon. Is it Thank snowing out much. there yet? <laughs> no, not yet, but it might. It might. Not yet. Yeah, well, I love those mountains. <laughs> now, uh, we are live. Uh, we welcome you to call us and give us uh, uh, questions or comments or whatever. Um, you can reach us at 888-346-9141. The phones are open and uh, we are toll free. So I'm just wondering if people out there, if, um, do you ever feel that you are bombarded by the amount of information, for lack of better words, that comes to you in social environments? You kind of go in feeling good and maybe and, you know, when you leave and you feel crappy, uh, uh, is it difficult for you to distinguish between your own experiences and those of people around you? Um, well, that's what we're going to talk about today is uh, people who have this empathic ability. And uh, we have our guest, Mr. Sebastian Glass. And I'd like to welcome you, Sebastian. Hello. How are you? Thank you for having I'm great. Thank you for having me. This is great. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Uh, so Sebastian's a man. He's very committed to helping others find their own way with a little bit of direction, which we all need. Um, and he shows them within, you know, everything that he's learned on his own journey. He's highly sensitive empath. He's a healer. Um, uh, as a Reiki practitioner, he uses the energies to bring wellness to people and, and to comfort others in preparing for their own journey onward. Uh, he's a practitioner in end-of-life care. He is, uh, works extensively with developmentally disabled adults. Uh, former seminarian, we're also very pleased that he has brought his wealth of knowledge to Transformational Arts College as a faculty member and administration assisting students. Because he's so sensitive, he takes care of all the students. Um, <laughs> isn't that right? <laughs> uh, so, Sebastian, tell us about what is an empath? Well, an empath is a person who has a heightened sensitivity to the environments around them, such that they can actually feel it as if it was their own, what's going on in the environment, in other people, in social engagements. It's, uh, it can be a beautiful thing at its best, and it can also be very much a burden when it's not working very well for people. And in my experience, talking to many empaths or self-professed empaths who come through the college in particular, there's often a lament. It's a very difficult thing to manage, to differentiate between what happens around me and what's happening in me, what's mine, what belongs to somebody else's. So uh, it's fascinating. It's part of my uh, own journey personally. So we're here tonight to talk about that. Um, you're an empathic journey? Yes. Tell me about it. journey. If you want to. Well, uh, well to be fair, um, uh, I was born with a heightened sensitivity, not understanding it and not being in an environment that fostered that or knew what to do with that. Sure. Um, it made life very difficult. Um, so early in life, I think as a teenager, I decided that I had had enough of the complication and really closed it down and became quite hard-hearted to use this term. And uh, I actually became quite hostile to deep sentiments and and sentimentality even in other people. Um, hmm. Because it was a dangerous territory for me, I kept getting absorbed into other people's innerscapes. And, uh, but in That's my a own, great word. It's, it's a good yeah. word, good. They're inner, yeah, uh, innerscapes. Innerscapes, yes. yeah. I like it. <laughs> so uh, in the last few years of my own uh, healing journey, in, uh, as a means of developing my own spirituality, I recognized that I had to own this part of myself and to see the gift of it. But that required doing some extensive self-work, some forgiveness, um, that I mean attending to my relationships and my responsibility to those relationships in a very different way. So um, TAC has been instrumental 
actually okay. in helping me do that. And I remember the intuitive arts course, which I actually teach now. Um, uh -huh. being Surprise. One of the, being one of the, <laughs> the greatest obstacles for me about four years ago when I first took it, I was quite closed off to all this stuff, all these exercises. This woo-woo right? stuff. It was a little woo-woo, <laughs> I have to admit to me. But to be fair, I really wanted theory. I'd just gone through eight years of university. I wanted to buy the book. I wanted to understand it conceptually. I wasn't interested in engaging my personal experience. That was territory, a bit too dark for me. But right. tack opened a door and actually strong-armed me into um, standing <laughs> up and having those experiences. And it changed me. It was a game changer. And well, I, I was very... Identified Sorry, it's bad. I, th I think you've identified something really important around your own experience where as a child having an environment or growing up where it wasn't accepted and it is part of, you know, our culture and especially for men and boys, yeah. but it's, and also with women, I mean, I can speak as a, as a girl as well, depending on the dynamic in the family, it can really be something where, you know, we don't teach children how to be comfortable with their emotion and how to what to do if they're witnessing someone else having, uh, you know, strong emotions. And especially when the sensitivity, because that, that idea of shutting down and pulling back, I think is really common, even in the naturopathic profession and any, many of the, um, the uh, health services professions, I think many people that go in be, are very empathic. And then the burnout and the exhaustion comes because it's like what you said, getting kind of drawn into this innerscape without having, a healthy boundary or awareness, right. but you have to do this other part of your own work and take responsibility. Yeah, no, that's very true. That's very true. I think that, you know, the, the number of people in medicine that I've, you know, encountered that are just burned out, they're angry, you know, they're tired. And it's and simply because they went in, you know, sort of this light and it gradually got just covered over and covered over and covered over. And they, they can't get out. They feel that, you know, they're just kind of trapped in there. Uh, we call it burnout, but it's kind of like that's the place that they'll break through uh, is from that burnout, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. Breaking open, yeah. Breaking open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I saw this great analogy just recently. You know, if you if you take an egg and you, you break it and you open it, then whatever was in it dies. Mm. But if it's open from inside, the oh life my. comes out of it. Oh, I like oh, that's that. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Isn't that great? I, I thought that was that's just a really great, 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 you know, beautiful. analogy. I thought, wow, that's amazing, you know, because it's from inside that it comes, you know. I understand being a male, uh, uh, a male and empathic as well, you know. Uh, uh, my mother cried, I cried, and then I would be shamed for it. Mm -hmm. So as a male, it wasn't cool to be that. Now, fortunately, I did have, you know, another lifeline uh, who saw that incredibly what that was, and that would be my grandmother in terms of mediumship uh, and, you know, sort of guided me in that direction uh you know but it was not an okay thing to do with brothers and you know the mother and, and everything it would be like the typical male thing you know well really give you something to cry about uh or you know what are you crying for you know sorry your problem oh, okay and then you feel just you know where do i put that where does a kid put that kind of uh, uh put down so it does become very difficult i really understand i really empathize with what you're saying <laughs> Well said. <laughs> we've, we've actually referred um, to the uh, emotion of, of uh, around crying, um, grief, sorrow, these kinds of things. But there are other emotions that, are, that can really slam into the empath's body. Anger, in particular, hatred, um, hostilities yep. in the environment. Those are the most violent. And once they get in, um, they're very hard to manage. And they get hooked into what might be unresolved angers in you, which makes it even more complicated to parse out the distinction. So I, I, that's why knowing your own um, emotional landscape is really, really important if you're going to start doing the discernment process. So I found um, sorrow was, I could, I could squelch my, my sentiment, um, but the anger piece, it's, there's something almost violent about it and has a life of its own. And it's quite frightening. And to this day, I'm actually rather afraid of it because it hooks you and it pulls the very beast in you out and uh, not pretty to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and, 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 you, and I think that, you know, this idea of 
again, the culture, like I, my Gord was saying how it was, uh, you know, his, his, if his mother cried for me, it was more my father cried and, you know, he happens to be Greek. So it's, it's a different, you know, and again, it just not that that's true of all Greek people by any means, but it was, it was acceptable. It was part of the emotion mm. and it was mostly to do with sentiment or, or sadness or nostalgia or kindness. Um, but I'm curious, Sebastian, because you had said that you kind of grew up with this sense of being highly sensitive. And one of the things that I know Gordon and I've talked about a lot is that, you know, there is, there is a benefit to having a label or a description, but it's not necessarily good to attach to it. But mm-hmm. I am curious about, I think it's very important for people to, again, embrace their, their emotional field. But, but for you, do you find that there is a difference between someone who's very highly sensitive compared to somebody who's empathic? I think that's true. And I think the highly sensitive person, um, there's a lot of similarities and they have a lot of the same needs to be uh, alone, a lot of downtime, a lot of quiet time, because they're both usually uh, in possession of a highly sensitive nervous system. But the empath does something that's not typical of the highly sensitive person. The empath actually absorbs into themselves as if it's theirs. They take on to themselves. And I think therein, there's something um, quite precious if you can learn to manage it. Um, When I do Reiki, for example, a a recent client um, who was going through an incredibly difficult time. Now, I wasn't aware of that. And I did the session um, with her and absorbed that entirely. Um, And it was incredibly rattling for me. But it gave her such relief. She was no longer holding it in herself. It was now in me. Now, I didn't quite understand that until we did the debrief later. But... um, there is something about being able to shoulder that and give a bit of relief to someone if you don't become overwhelmed by it. If you can understand this is something I'm carrying for someone, I'm going to help process this. This isn't mine. I'm not stuck with it. This isn't my life. But that takes time and learning yeah. to, to get to. Otherwise, uh, a lot of empaths who absorb that information carry that. They don't know how to discharge it, to process it, to to let it go, and it becomes part of their own uh, ongoing lived experience. It is a burden. It becomes part of their body for some people. It, sure. It does. It you know, does. That, You're right, Court. That, that accumulation of anger and so on, and you just watch them packing on pounds. They're not yes. eating extraordinarily or anything, but, you know, suddenly they're, like, getting quite heavy. And that extra, you know, that extra weight is being it's, – it's the crap that they're carrying, not from what they ate. It's energetic. You know, yeah. it's like these blobs of globs of, you know, uh, there's really no words that can describe, but we can, we can certainly tell what it feels like when yeah. we, you know, when we, we sort of suck something like that in. I know when, when I have anybody leaving from the school, like when we do the compassion circle, for instance, when, when we used to in the olden days be able to actually meet and, and have it live <laughs> um, uh, before we were like put into outer space here with all this technology, uh, I was always really, really uh, aware of making sure they were closed. Their energy centers were brought back in from being really open to being, you know, closed. Because you get on like the subway system in Toronto and there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who are in really bad moods, you know, or they're angry or they're, you know, under a substance of some sort, which is, you know, sending another haywire uh, uh, experience out. And it's not unusual then for empaths to be able to pick that up. So some of, by the time they get home from like this really nice experience, they can feel like crap, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Well, and because if we don't have that awareness, we blame like what, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I in a bad mood? And then they spend an evening trying to figure out why they're in a bad mood, which isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also, Gord, you're right. And even in terms of my practice that, yes, people carry it in the body. And I think that's a part of you know, the awareness of the boundary and also humility where it's like, wait a minute, I'm not here to carry somebody else's, you know, maybe and because one of the things we can talk about is the old practice of Tonglen where you sort of basically move, you know, work with the energy, but you don't hold it in the body. Right. Um, which is different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very different. It's very different. Uh, but well, you know, it's kind of like I was always taught, you know, being a conduit, 
you know. So to take take that energy and bring it in as the empath does, uh, you know, then becomes then now what do I do with it? I have to not only bring it in and and I have to keep that moving, and right. that's why I see it very energetically. I love that. That's yeah. beautiful. So, There's the only so way it can. Otherwise, if 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 what I do, if I tune in with you and I bring in that feeling, then I I have I've owned your feeling, and I'm going to have to carry it until I can figure a way to move it out. Right. Because you're not going to reach over and say, "Here, you know, all you did was share it." Right. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, it really needs to uh, have that awareness of how energetic we really are. When mm-hmm. you're when you think you're standing alone on the subway, you know. Besides someone who's sitting down and you're standing holding on, you know, no, you are involved in their energy and the person beside you and behind you. And it's just if, you know, people could only see how much energy there was going on there. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're either going to take it in or we're going to figure out how to buffet it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so that we, we have like sort of this, you know, force field around us, you know. So Beautiful. we need to cut here. We, you are listening to Things Worth Considering, and we will be right back. Our phones are open. Call us. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Yonge Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back to uh, Things Worth Considering. This is Gord Riddell. Um, let me give you the phone number again. We'd love to have you call. Uh, I'm sure you must have some questions right now or some shared experience. Uh, 888-346-9141. And that is a toll-free number anywhere in North America. So please feel free to give us a call. Uh, so we're talking here you know, about, about the energetics of, of empathy, and, and we can come back to that. I think maybe we need to differentiate you know, when feel, people feel compassion for somebody. And people, you know, empathy for somebody. And then, of course, then there's sympathy. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I th- think that people get really confused around that. Mm-hmm. You know? I think... Are you I defining th- empathy, compassion? When we look at empathy, we look at the experience of sharing a, a state of, or a mood vicariously from another person. Um, it doesn't necessarily entail action whereas compassion does. Compassion is a follow-through in that. It's a a means of mitigating it. So I sometimes wonder if the empathic response isn't an inherent impulse towards action. But because the empath typically is overwhelmed by the experiences because they can't differentiate, is this me? Is this you? Is this something else? Um, They're reluctant to venture into the field and respond. 
Um, so maybe there's both an advantage and a mm. disadvantage for them mm. because it seems to be just from where I'm sitting, one side of the equation, but it's not the whole follow through. Um, oftentimes when I'm talking to students who are having these kinds of experience, I always invite them to consider it an invitation to respond differently than they normally would. It is from the other side, an appeal for help. Now you get to decide whether you know it or not, what you want to do. Now, the empath might be overwhelmed. I'm feeling grief. I'm feeling anger. I'm feeling fear. I need to act, but not react. It's a response. How do I want to respond? There are many different ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be intrusive about it. I often tell people that if something um, big happens around them, there's nothing wrong with sending a blessing or a prayer to that individual or that circumstance. That's safe, non-intrusive, but it's still a response to right. what's happening around you. Um, those are my thoughts. Yeah. I, I, think that, I, think, I think that sometimes it's, it's uh, you know, one of the kindest responses we can have to empathy might be to do nothing. Mm -hmm. like just right. to be sit there and sit with somebody, you know, when someone is feeling really terrible, uh, you know, and everybody else around is trying to make them all perky and, and uh, look for, look for the good thing, you know, that uh, the, the good stuff that's going to come out of it and, and all things happen for a purpose. And, you know, sort of these horrible things that we say to people, it's usually to make ourselves feel better. Um, you know, that we did something, you know, I gave her some nice words to say, but sometimes just going and just, you know, sitting with somebody, in silence and just, you know, maybe holding their hand or, or just touching their arm or something. Yeah, that says so much. You it know? does. And it's, it's the being, it's the being part, not doing. As, exactly. Because I think, I think that's what, um, you it's know, very threatening I, too, I, though. <laughs> yes, it can be. And because yeah. it feels, it's that sense of how do I sit with this discomfort and witness. And I think that's why, people often will struggle and either shut down. I know that I've, I've done that before or gotten, you know, again, uh, a, a sense of awareness of, wait a minute, that I'm, I'm, there's something happening that I'm feeling too much here, but, but it's, it's having that discernment and what you were saying, Sebastian, about being able to recognize you can still respond. And the response can be, no, I'm not doing anything, but I am going to be with this sense of prayer or sending them kindness and know that I don't have to react because I think that's what often will happen when people are in that place of, of being overwhelmed by so much emotion that suddenly they're going to attract people that will say jump and they'll say how high. Yes. And I think that can happen when you don't have a grounded sense of your own, you know, inner world, what you were saying about uh, mentioning earlier. Yes. yes. Alexia, I so loved that thought. Choosing to do nothing, as Gord's suggesting in some situations, is a, a choice. For a lot of empaths, they feel kind of blindsided by the experience and they're mm -hmm. starting to react. And that is not um, exercising agency. So you can, with discernment, decide this is not something I can entangle myself with. It's not in my best interest. This is not something I can do. This might not be the right thing to do. I'm opting to sit quietly by or to even remove myself. That's and maybe though that is the kindest thing you can do too. It could be. It could, it could be. be. And, yeah. and it's just your presence. scale. So people have to discern. They have to, first of all, know what limitations they have. Right. And you have to know oh, yeah. yourself really yeah. well. But I think a lot of empaths shirk from responding because they're so overwhelmed. And what, what do they sit with? They sit with anxiety, not peace. Yeah. They feel that they have actually not exercised their agency in a responsible way, that they're actually hiding from life. And it's not a good feeling. Yeah, that's very well said. I really like that. I'm very curious, Sebastian, what your experience is around this. With Sometimes I've met people who have much more empathy or really upset when more around uh, it doesn't really matter in terms of life, whether it's different parts of the planet, you know, the Amazon forest animals, but not so much for human beings. Mm. So they're more empathetic. And I find that curious. And, and I'm, I think that of course it's all valid and, and very important, but I am curious when I see people that they can have such an open heart for anyone except human beings. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, um, first of all, to be fair, human beings are not easy. 
we're not an easy thing to uh, be involved with intimately. We um, are, are a bit hard on one another. But there are empaths that have affinities quite specific to geographical locations. You hear this sometimes in the spiritual community. Um, sometimes it's very explicit. And sometimes there's just a kind of understanding that there's a space. Some people have it with, uh, with elements, with the forest, um, with water. You hear this uh, quite often. Some empaths have an affinity with animals. We, this has been popularized by the whisperer, the horse whisperer, the dog whisperer, right. that sort of thing. That kind of inner understanding, inner connection to the inner life of the animal. Um, that is not uncommon. I think when we use the term empath, the go-to is to refer to the emotional co connection. The emo it's almost like telepathy. It's emotional exchanges back and forth, which I think is quite normal. We're all doing it. But yes, you're right. Some people do have more of an affinity with um, the, the earth itself, um, areas of the earth, elements, animals, yep. animals. Um, and not so much people. It's okay. true. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, I mean, I'm just conjecturing here, but the empathy to, to, you know, the earth or the empathy to animals or so on is different insofar as we, we can't feel what they feel per se empathetically because we're not of that species. And it's very scary because I mean, empathy, empathy asks you to do something very, very scary that sympathy doesn't. And that is that mm. it asks you to find that place in yourself that can feel that woundedness, that can feel that sorrow or whatever it might be. And it's from that place that I connect to you. That makes sense? Yeah. You know, so, so I, I have to be willing for, to be an empathic person and, and a practitioner. I have to be willing to risk going into my own uh, uh, storage uh, compartment of, of uh, you know, feelings and woundedness and, and things that happen to me. And that's why, again, you know, what you're saying is so true that we need to have an understanding of those things. So when, when I touch it that in order to touch you, then it doesn't put me into that place again because it's been dealt with. But it, what mm -hmm. it does is it just says, I know I've been there. I love that. Right. You know, my thought on that as you were speaking is that in the healing journey, how refreshing it must be to have somebody being able to have a deep connection to a wound that I'm still harboring and reluctant to even get close to. And yet while they share that, they've spent time with it. And suddenly we speak energetically the same level. And my fear becomes alleviated. If you could do it, Maybe I can too. I'm no longer feeling quite so alone. You know, um, I know you know this, but I'll say it for the audience who might not. In psychotherapy, we often tell people, you can never lead a client anywhere that you're not willing to go yourself. So if you aren't able to go to those depths yourself, you will never be able to guide them there. Yeah. So that's really important because that's how the energy exchange works in the intimacy it's of like the Hiring a tour guide, they've never been to the country themselves. Right. <laughs> right, right. But they're a tour exactly. guide. Yeah. Right, it's, right. It's the same thing. We have to yeah. be willing to risk that, you know. And, so I and, think that and, it demands, you know, I think that the mature empath is called upon to, you know, not only have an understanding of themselves, but also have a very strong level of courage in order to be able to step into those empathic situations. Because the more you do it, the more you'll be surrounded by it. <laughs> well, and, that's right. And, it's, and it, it, there's something really powerful in terms of witnessing and being witnessed, incredibly healing. And I think that it helps us to create more community. And I'm curious. There's a girl a talking of... for you. <laughs> <laughs> where are the, guy, where what, are the guys in this? They have gone to their that? cave. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I have male friends who are highly empathic, sensitive. Absolutely. And, you know, vice versa. It doesn't, you know what I mean? But I get yep. the words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but there are two things that came up for me. One, I'm I am curious about uh, sort of the 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 sense of the types of uh, empaths, and also the other the other question I had was actually I think I forgot it while I'm talking. <laughs> but the types types of empaths is one, but the other one was really around um, what do you think is happening in terms of the COVID nineteen experience around because everything has absolutely people are feeling so much. And I think that it's not only 
people who are highly empathic or sensitive, but it, that is also something that I think is, is people are having to, to deal with. Mm -hmm. I have talked, I was teaching um, Total Self Six, the intuitive arts course at the time of the COVID-19 outbreak. So that was a big part of our conversation and I used it as a teaching tool, understandably. So can you sense this new climate, this new current uh, when you go to the supermarket, uh, when people didn't want to get close to each other and somebody sneezed or coughed and all of a sudden you looked at them with suspicion. Yeah. It was little <laughs> gestures, but suddenly there was a climate of fear and suspicion and anxiety. It was so thick for some of us. I think lots of people felt it, but how many people were internalizing it? The empath will do that. So suddenly they feel that they are the threat because they're feeling that they feel that they are the toxin in the air. You know, that sense, it becomes very difficult to manage when you're moving through the world and what people might be thinking or feeling around you is washing not over you, but passing through you and getting entangled with maybe your own insecurities about yourself. That's a, a real experience for the highly sensitive person and the empath. So I think it's been very difficult for all of us, but certainly certainly for those who are very sensitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit, in terms so of much, types sorry. of, sorry, go, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say was it's so much about not being a burden. I think mm. that uh, because, because empaths, you know, in the early stages uh, feel burdened upon, they don't want to be burdened. And I think that that causes that, that pullback can also really cause some of that anger. You know, yeah. But that becomes a real problem later in life when you have the parent, you know, uh, saying, well, it's probably better I go to a nursing home or I do this or whatever because I don't want to be a burden on anybody. Nobody said anything about being a burden, but suddenly right. that is right. sitting in the middle. That's your new yeah. elephant in the middle of the room is, is this burdensomeness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that there's a, there is a sense of sometimes um, when people are in a place of suffering, and I think part of it is because, again, it goes back to not learning how to uh, lead your internal world, you know, getting to know it, you know, that know thyself is so, so incredibly wise, and it will always be. But I, I also think that there is criticism around empaths that, oh, they're too sensitive, like what you were saying earlier, and not having good boundaries. Because I, I think that that's really important, especially with people who are working in healthcare of any sort, that it's, I know for myself, it's really important to have that kind of ability to be compassionate. But at the, then when, if you feel the empathy that's coming up, then how to work with this. And I, I think that's a big piece that is, will prevent people from, from being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Really important to have that um, sensitivity. But you know, it's, it also starts in a very practical grassroots way. For example, look at your relationships, the kinds of basic everyday relationships that you have. Do you have good functional boundaries operative there? It's a good tell because if you don't, then your inner life is going to not reflect anything different. So I often tell people to start there, start at ground zero with your inner circle, your immediate uh, friends, family, um, and start developing because it, it really does become reflective of what's going on inside of you. And then increasingly you can make your circle of healthy boundaries extensive and you can negotiate it because it's never going to be fixed. That's not healthy. It's always going to be in flux and you want to be able to dance and move with life a little bit. Um, but uh, too much rigidity is, is not good, but too much flexibility is also not your friend. So finding your sweet spot day by day, moment by moment is really the exercise of living well for any of us, particularly for the empath who has to negotiate right. through a whole sea of data that lots of people don't even take into consideration. I love that. That's great. A whole seed that people don't take. It's true. It's very true, right? Yeah. You know, in terms of what's being noticed and what is being felt. And that's the deepening of the inner practice. I think that's so important. Yeah, it's kind of like if we're not tripping, tripping on it and, and, you know, grabbing it with our hands, then it's not there. And uh, mm -hmm. if, if, you know, that's what I keep saying. If only people could see 
the, the, the interaction of all of our energies. And I really discovered by like working with these uh, electronic platforms, how you can really establish an electric, you know, you can get that current going. And, you know, we've had some really cool healing things and people are like, whoa, that was really wild. And yet here we are, little two-dimensional beings shaking our head and blinking. Um, and that's, you know, very different than working in a three-dimensional, you know, live capacity. Yes. But <laughs> we just don't see it. We just don't see yeah. what our possibilities are. Uh, we need to take a break here. Um, I would like to once again invite uh, invite you to give us a call. We would love to talk to you, hear your experiences. Uh, we're at 888-346-9141. The phones are open, and uh, we would love to hear from you. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca That's info at spiritgrows.ca Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back. Um, Alexia and Sebastian and I are standing by. We're here waiting for the phone to ring. It's kind of like a bad day, day. Um, you could You could give us a call. <laughs> I wonder if they'll ever show up. Uh, toll free. It won't cost you anything other than a few moments on the air with us uh, at one eight 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 three four six nine one four one. And you're more than welcome to give us a call. So, we, uh, we're going to look at, uh, which is kind of really important, is how do you take care of yourself? How do you, what do you have to learn? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are a few things that are really, they, they really need to be part of an empath's lifestyle. And they're really quite basic. And that's why I refer to them as just the basics. And it's not Firstly, alcohol. No, it isn't alcohol. Actually, yeah, it's alcohol, a common one to go to. It's so true. Or, or, it's, or it yeah. could be drugs too, right? Like drugs are alcohol, absolutely. absolutely. Anything that brings you down, I certainly have been there. I sympathize, but it's really not a long-term strategy work. to no. success. So um, <laughs> so that's not part of the basics. So put the wine bottle down. I just thought we'd throw that in quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Firstly, allowing some quiet time to emotionally decompress at the end of your day, at the end of a meeting, at the end of a stressful situation, allowing yourself just to just reset, allow yourself to relieve some of the tension that your nervous system has held because you are sensitive. There's nothing wrong with you. You're just picking up a lot of information and just make that a lifestyle. I know I need five, 10, even 15 minutes at the end of said event, at the end of my day. Um, and allow asking other people in our lives to accommodate that. If they love you and care about you, they'll give you that. All right, oh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. 
Another thing is practice meditation, of which there are many, many forms. So meditation is simply a technique to quiet the body, mind, using the breath. You can visualize, you can focus on uh, an object, a candle, which I have beside me. You can use a mantra. There are many ways of doing it. And you don't have to do it for lengthy periods of time. You, you, uh, it can, of course, be a part of a spiritual practice. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But it's also a great technique for just decompressing and bringing yourself down. Another technique I would encourage is just safeguarding your sensitivities, honoring them and keeping them safe. This is lifestyle 101, learning to politely say no when you And no to. is a complete sentence, by the it way. It totally is a complete I, sentence. I love that, Gord. And, I, and, I, and Sebastian, just to interrupt you for a second, the thing is okay. that when you said it's, it's um, basically the, you know, the 101 lifestyle, but I, again, this to me is a huge deficit in our education system in terms of you know, teaching and supporting people you know, parents with small kids around and, and, you know, working crazy hours and then trying to find that time and space. But again, it's not something that is, that is typically supported. Mm-hmm. Right? It isn't. No, doing exactly. more and producing more tends to be encouraged. And yeah. if you're not doing, you can, you can only ever not do enough. Um, and that's just the society that we live in. And that's incredibly taxing on all of us, particularly for the highly sensitive empaths. Yeah. yeah, but it makes it more important to what you said around a commitment to know, you know, a, a safeguard, a safeguard, and also to have boundaries around. Yeah. And I think that's where you know it's giving yourself permission to say, I can actually say no to this, right? Mm-hmm. And I can choose to. And if somebody isn't going to respect that, I need my ten minutes, whatever it is. That's a little bit of an issue. Right. It's a, you know, it's, I think, oh, sorry, I was going to say our manners get in the way of our be- ability to say no. <laughs> We're such enough. polite people. Uh, I can't just say, no, I can't talk to you right now. Or no, uh, you know, I'm taking this break because I need it for me. Uh, uh, we have to do a whole song and dance number about why I can't come to your party. You know, I've got to go there and then in the morning and it's like, oh, I'm only going to have half an hour sleep. And let it. And we've got this whole tale of the great beyond going on. Uh, when really all they wanted to know is he going to show up or not. We're so afraid of hurting people with saying no. That's why Mm -hmm. I'm always, you know, reaffirming the fact that no is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything else is just superfluous. It's, it's, it's so that we could uh, usage our guilt because we said no and that we don't want the other person to hurt. So we're giving them flowers via language. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that part of it is with the say no is and and in terms of the socializing aspect, it's also recognizing how long or the people that are there and and again, I think what Sebastian, what you were saying around safeguarding is that I don't think it needs to be over explained, and that's where it's it's a challenge in terms of the self, the inner working and learning that for yourself to say, "Wow, I actually don't need to take the bait if somebody says, "Oh my God, you're so sensitive." that you don't even have to rise to it. You can just allow it to run off your back. I'll show you Mm -hmm. sensitive. (laughs) Smack. (laughs) It's true. There's, there's, there's an undercurrent to the term safeguard that is coming to me as we're talking about it. There's an honoring and a valuing of the treasure of one's sensitivities of one's empathy. Mm. I'm safeguarding my treasure. Mm -hmm. I don't need you to get that. As opposed well, to hiding it to because of shame. It. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you need to reverse things rather than putting, deferring to external authority. Um, you're actually putting the authority into you. It is, this is my treasure. This is my kingdom. And I am not allowing it to be violated. That means I'm going to take precautions uh, in honoring it. I'm going to safeguard it and protect and make decisions accordingly. And that's an attitudinal shift that takes time and practice for the typical empath to reach. It, it's quite um, doable. I like Gord's use of the term, the mature empath. That's the maturation process, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, yeah, and you also, you, you were saying that there are these basic things that people can do to help themselves. And I think part of it, too, is that definitely working with getting to know yourself 
um, mm-hmm. as well as part of it, right? So that you can discern and not, you know, run away or shut down and, you know, collapse or get ill. Because mm-hmm. I think when we're working with energy and energetic people, that often that sense of taking it on is is uh, absolutely going to impact the physical body, the emotional body, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it does. And there's a whole lot of learning that has to happen on the part of the person who's now going to guard themselves or safeguard, uh, which I agree completely, is how do I connect with you then? Right. I, I, I I'm now question. the fish out of water. I'm, I've got lots of air, apparently, but I don't have an, you know, any, any you know, fluid to, to move with uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So I feel disconnected. I'm going to feel much more alone. Uh, I think it's really important for empaths to work with, you know, mentors. Uh, yes. The mature person, um, you know, that's why, you know, the COVID-19 thing was just so devastating for me because I'm just a, such a huge fan of the elders. And I want them to be our elders. I don't want them to be our senior citizens at old folks' homes, mm-hmm. uh, nursing capacities. You know, I mean, they have a lot of wisdom that has come from years, uh, years and years and years of getting through life. You know, like I'm proud of my ancestors that because of them, I'm here. Um, you know, my DNA and my resilience, all of those things, you know? So I think that, uh, it can become a very isolated experience from some of the things I think we're saying, if we don't allow that person to have someone that they can, you know, really be empathically taken care of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? it, a, th- a thought on that, Gord, as you were talking again, it, it just came to me that, the helping professions, the healing professions are a great structured means of channeling the empath's uh, ability. And there are all kinds of protocols built into those systems such that you have that kind of concrete structure so that you know what you can do and when you can do it in a way. So I think that those kinds of professions working with the vulnerable, I know when I work uh, with the dying, I never feel overwhelmed by the experiences in those rooms. I don't know why. And there's a lot of powerful emotions, but I can hold that so smoothly because I know who I am in relation to it. However, when I move outside of that into the everyday world, it's, there's no structure. And I actually have a much more difficult time negotiating the social arena than I do in those more um, tidy sure. settings. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, most, most empaths are, are not very outgoing. We're, we're kind of introverts. We're, you know, I'm an external introvert, you know, kind of thing. I'm out there and people are like, you're an introvert, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, how much do you know about me? Nothing. Uh, you know, the, let me just sort of go to that, what you just said, because, you know, w- what I'm getting is, is that, you know, when we're with someone in the dying capacity, it's so authentic. It's just so real. There's no, there's just no place for structure. Mm. But then you talked about the healing professions as being so structured. And that's the place that we identified earlier on that people can go in being very empathic, move with the structures. The structures are there with great intention, but they don't serve well energetically. And so people end up getting sick, burned out, angry, resentful, jaded, <laughs> you know, uh, welcome to the retired healthcare professional. Uh, but, you know, and then, then when you're out, I mean, there's always that social awkwardness, you know, uh, kind mm-hmm. of thing. But, you know, it's being with someone in that depth of, of experience is just authenticity. It just is. You know, there's no place to put that experience. If you try to structure it, you know, that's always the hard part when I teach it is you can't really structure it because everyone mm. will be so different. You know, so completely different. So um, I just want to say, like, I think there's three elements there. One is, you know, you're just being so authentic. You're not looking for labels or a place to put it. Then there's the places that have the structure and then there's just kind of the free walking down the sidewalk, you're like scratching our heads and going, I don't know what to do. Well, and, and the fact that, you know, what you're addressing, Gord, is so important because it's, again, giving ourselves permission to see that there's so much more that 
that has to have a sort of a, a softer boundary. But first, it has to be talked about. It has to be shared. It has to be something where we bring this balance of instead of the, the rigidity around the structure that Sebastian was talking about earlier, where, it's, where it can be too rigid at the beginning of the show, mm. and then too open. But where is the balance? And I think, again, we have to bring that in as part of the human experience. And especially with people who are practitioners, to be very disciplined in knowing themselves and taking responsibility for their own, how to lead themselves so that they can actually be more supportive for, for the people that they're working with. Well, uh, yeah, and lead themselves into a mentorship position. Exactly. Having one for themselves. Exactly. Very important. Or, or even people that can connect like this way. To understand yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This, it can be know? a peer group, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but mm-hmm. what happens is, is that the empath gets to a certain point and it begins to narrow down until you become the lone practitioner teaching people, where are you, you know, and you're, you're back into the, where you started basically, and that's being drained out. Hmm. You know, I think there's a, a whole cycle here as to what the spiritual teacher does and doesn't do. Yeah. So, Sebastian, any um, sort of other comments or, you know, suggestions around? I know I know you've got Gord's going to announce what's coming up next week, which is very exciting. <laughs> um, I, well, I, I do know um, that I'd like to, for whoever's listening who might uh, have empathic sensitivities or have lived with them, uh, quietly or trying to figure them out out loud, which some people do. Um, you have my, my, my deepest sympathies. It's a very difficult journey to make, um, and it can be very confusing, but there is such a gift there as well. It has enriched my life so powerfully, so um, I would like to encourage people to really explore it responsibly and to find those mentors. If I'm going to tell you how you can do that too. As I jump right in there, Mr. Sebastian Glass is giving a three-hour workshop on air uh, next Wednesday um, through Zoom. Uh, you can register with the Transformational Arts Center uh, or the Transformational Arts College, and uh, you would just need to go through uh, TAC at transformationalarts.com. You can also come through this, the, here, uh, info at spiritgrows.ca. Next week, we have um, Deb Mayberry. She's the author of Beyond Sexual Abuse, Unlock the Door, her book. Uh, She's a great speaker, a facilitator, and she's going to be working with your reality, understanding your thoughts, feelings, and perceptions, and how that shapes everything. So uh, Deb will be here next Thursday, live at 8 o'clock. And on Wednesday, we're looking to see Mr. Sebastian Glass at Transformational Arts College via Zoom, uh, info at spiritgrows.ca. Have a great week, folks, and we look forward to having you back next week. Bye now. Good night. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 